right, you can have a seat. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> All right, I want to begin this morning by describing an experience that I'm pretty sure most of you can relate to, especially this time of year. And that is the experience of running around through a hectic day. A day where you feel like you just, you can't stop moving. So parents, I think there's sort of a unique thing that we have going on, but you're getting the kids out the door, you're getting, I mean, teacher gifts. I forgot that this year, mother of the year right here, but teacher gifts, getting kids out the door, you're baking something for a holiday party, you're running around, work is stressful, gotta get dinner on the table, got something in the evening, you are on your feet all day, crazy, hectic. Anybody relate to that? Yes. Okay, and then that feeling at the end of your day, when you finally get to sink into the couch or climb into your bed and you get to exhale. It's almost like you weren't aware you were holding your breath all day. And it feels like it's the first time all day that you get to exhale. You know that feeling, and that feels so good. Maybe we can all kind of do that together right now. Take a deep breath in, and then exhale. <sighs> feels so good. The song that Simeon sings that Corey read for us, Simeon's song to me is a giant exhale. <sighs> it's a giant existential exhale. And this song has been seen this way and seen so much this way the churches that practice fixed hour prayer, churches that pray liturgical prayers around the clock, so 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m., 6 p.m., 9 p.m., they include Simeon's song in the Compline liturgy. That's the bedtime prayer. Simeon's song is the last word spoken before bedtime. And this liturgy was written in the fourth century. So this means that Simeon's song has been spoken by people going to bed every day for 1,700 years. His song, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Basically, I can die in peace now. That's what that means. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. This song has been spoken by people going to bed for 1,700 years. This is a giant exhale. And so I wanna just kinda take a moment to unpack that. Why is this song an exhale? Why is Simeon able to exhale? And uh, parents, those of you with little kids in the pews, just so you know, my goal here is 15 minutes. There's also some um, activity bags at the uh, table in the lobby. If you haven't grabbed those, they're awesome. Eliza put those together for us this morning. But kids, we're so glad that you're here with us. All right, so I want to talk about what's in Simeon's song and what is, why is he able to exhale and kind of rest in this moment. So he takes the baby into his arms. He sees Jesus. He takes the baby into his arms, and this hymn comes out of his mouth. And I think there's three layers to this exhale. The first one is just kind of basic. It's a personal exhale for Simeon. So verse 26 tells us that the Holy Spirit had told Simeon that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And so for his whole life, he'd been waiting and looking 
and watching for the Messiah. This was his life's purpose. The Lord told him, you are not gonna die until you see the Messiah. And so on this day, the Holy Spirit leads him into the temple and says, there's the Messiah. And so in many ways, the personal exhale for Simeon is like, my job is done. The thing that I've been waiting my entire life for, my life's purpose is fulfilled. I can die in peace. So there's this personal exhale for Simeon. But if that was the only thing going on here, that, that's no reason that the church would basically claim this song as their bedtime prayer. And so there has to be something more. And there's two more layers that I see in this song. The second layer is the exhale of Israel. So verse 25 says that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That word is not a word that we tend to use in everyday speech, consolation. But I want to use it today because I think it's so powerful. Consolation has to do with being consoled, with receiving comfort, tenderness, compassion. If you think about a child who falls and scrapes their knee, they experience consolation in their mother's embrace. Consolation. And so Simeon has been waiting for the consolation of Israel, for Israel to be consoled and comforted because Israel had been going through it. Israel had been going through it. They had been experiencing the opposite of consolation, which I would call desolation. The wreckage of living life in a broken world. Some of that wreckage that they brought on themselves. If Simeon is an old man in this moment, and that's a fair assumption from the context of this passage, he has seen a lot in his lifetime. He probably remembers when Roman soldiers marched into Jerusalem and occupied his city. He probably remembers when they desecrated the temple. He has probably seen hundreds of Jews crucified by the Roman government for crimes against the state. He knows the desolation of life as an occupied people. But faithful Jews like Simeon who know their scripture and know the Old Testament, knew that God had promised to console and comfort his people, and that one day he would send a Messiah, a deliverer, a savior who would rescue them from their distress. The Old Testament is full of scriptures that prophesied this reality. And so Simeon clung to those scriptures, and even though nothing looked like that was going to happen, he believed that God would do what he said he would do. So for example, Isaiah 40, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And then this passage from Zephaniah 3, which is one of my favorite passages in scripture. I'll just read this whole passage because it's so beautiful. Sing, daughter Zion, shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord, your God, is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And so Simeon's whole life, he believed, no matter what was happening around him, that God was going to fulfill this promise, that God would send a savior, that God would deliver his people. 
He trusted that God was going to do what he said he would do. And so on this day, when Simeon meets Jesus and the Holy Spirit reveals to him, there's the Messiah, the exhale underneath his own life's exhale is this exhale of Israel. The Messiah is here. Everything is going to be all right. We can rest. There is peace. Everything is going to be all right. So Simeon is exhaling, Israel is exhaling in this moment. And then the third layer, and this is the one that we get to claim for ourselves. This is where Simeon's song becomes our own. I hear in Simeon's song and I see in his experience the exhale of all humanity, a giant human exhale in this moment. Because what Simeon's experience in the temple and the prophetic words the Holy Spirit puts in his mouth to say about Jesus, what they show us is who this Messiah actually is and what this consolation is going to be like. Conventional Jewish wisdom at the time would have thought that the Messiah was going to be a military leader and that the consolation of Israel was going to be a way that Israel's sociopolitical status in first century Palestine would be restored, that they would be, the Messiah would overthrow Roman occupation, they, their national independence would be restored. That's what it meant to wait for the Messiah and wait for the consolation of Israel. But what we see in Simeon's story and in his song is that the Messiah's purposes, God's purposes were so much bigger than that. The Messiah wasn't just for Israel and this consolation wasn't just about Roman occupation. First of all, it's important to note that this job of consoling Israel, this job was too important to God to delegate. So as a leader, if you are a leader in your world, you know that there are some things you delegate to others and there are some things you do yourself. This job was so important to God that he didn't delegate it. He didn't send some other person to rescue and save and console his people. He came himself. God took on flesh, drew near to humanity in Jesus, came among us in all our desolation. Jesus, this baby that Simeon is cradling, is actually God. Simeon is looking into the face of his Savior, God with us. That is crazy. To me, this theological concept, the incarnation, that God came among us in Jesus, it is the most beautiful theological concept that there is. There's something about this, that God knows everything about our mess and comes anyway, that I read as pure love. Some of you know what that feels like, to be loved like that. I, I know you. I know you, I see all your stuff, but I love you anyway. That's what the incarnation is. And then in verse, in verse 32, Simeon says that the salvation Jesus offers is the glory of Israel, but is also a light to the Gentiles. In other words, that what God had promised to Israel is available to all of us, to all of humanity. The Messiah is here and everything is going to be okay. That promise and that rest and that exhale, that is not only available to Israel, it's available to the whole world, including you and me. 
And here's just a little thought about that. So Israel was occupied and they had been invaded by Rome. But all of humanity from the beginning of time has been invaded and occupied by the reality of sin and death. We don't like to think about sin. That is something we don't like to talk about. We would rather talk about the brokenness of the world out there and ask God to deliver us and rescue us from everything that's happening that's wrong out here. But the reality of what the incarnation means and what this consolation means, for us to fully understand what we're being rescued from, we have to understand the fullness of our desolation. And that reality is the brokenness in the world has actually invaded our own hearts. And so what the Messiah is bringing, this consolation, this rescue, it's not just a person, it's God himself. It's not just for Israel, it's for the whole world. And it's not just for the external realities, the political things, the things that are broken out here, it actually is gonna rescue us in here. That's the gift of this Messiah. And this will eventually cost Jesus his life. At the end of this song, it turns kind of dark. Simeon is talking about Mary's heart being pierced with a sword. Jesus is gonna die so that we can experience this consolation. That is the gift of Jesus. And so Simeon exhales, I can die in peace. Israel exhales, it's all gonna be okay, Jesus is here. And we can exhale, we have seen our salvation in Jesus. This is available to us. All right, so that may be interesting. I don't know if that was interesting, but the way I wanna close is I wanna ask, how does that help us? How does Simeon's song, how does this exhale that we read there, how does this rest, how does that apply to us today? What do we do with this? Some of you today, this morning, have been going through it. Some of you are sitting in this pew this morning with a heavy heart. And sometimes Christmas and the holidays kind of accentuate that feeling. For some of you, 2018 has been really tough, and you're ready to say goodbye to it. Some of you have experienced incredible desolation and pain. And so there's a weariness sometimes that we carry around. And it's a weariness that isn't solved by climbing into bed and letting the air rush out of our lungs. It's a weariness that kind of chases us through the night. We wake up. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about this morning, and there's a way that maybe you can identify with Simeon and Israel in their desolation. But also, like Simeon and Israel, God has given you a promise. And that promise is that he will make all things new. That everything that is broken, all the pain that we experience, everything that is wrong with the world, will be put back together one day. This is what Christians believe, that because Jesus came among us, because he died and rose again, because God's kingdom has been inaugurated, Jesus is already at work mending the world, putting things back together, and one day he will return and everything will be right. It's all going to be okay. But in the meantime, we still experience desolation we still experience the struggle and the pain of life on this side of eternity. 
And so there are some parallels to Simeon and to Israel, but there's one key difference. There's a key difference to how we wait. And I think Simeon gives us just a beautiful picture of this. So the image that I have when I look at Simeon, I know that there weren't such a thing as like bombs in ancient Israel, but I just imagine there's bombs exploding all around Simeon. Everything is kind of chaotic around him, but he's holding this baby. And in this moment, as he stares his Messiah in the face, as he experiences the reality of God with him in this moment, he is at peace. His soul is at peace. He is resting and exhaling in this moment. Nothing about Simeon's immediate circumstances have changed between this day and the day before, except that he has beheld Jesus. That's the only difference. And so here's the thing that I wanna say about how we are waiting for everything to be made right. We are not waiting in the same way that Simeon waited for the Messiah. We are waiting like Simeon holding the Messiah. I'm gonna say that again. We're not waiting like Simeon waited for the Messiah. We are waiting like Simeon holding the Messiah. Jesus is here. We have him. He has come near. God descended to our earthly reality in the person of Jesus. What a gift. We have him. Part of the consolation of Israel and of the world is the consolation of God's presence with us in every moment. No matter what is happening around you, you can lay hold of your Messiah at any moment. You can pick him up and not literally cradle him in your arms, but you can cradle him in your heart. You can gaze at him. You can fix your eyes on the person who shows us what God is like because he is God. We can behold our Savior today no matter what is happening. So I don't know what kind of bombs are exploding around you this morning. I don't. But I do know that in the midst of that desolation, you have an opportunity to lay hold of your Messiah, to pick him up, to gaze at him, and to inwardly know it's all gonna be okay. Jesus is here. We have the consolation of his presence and the promise that he's at work making all things new. So a few questions for you this morning. Those of you in the middle of some kind of desolation, do you know that Jesus is with you? Do you understand the consolation of his presence? When was the last time you gazed at Jesus in the middle of your distress? Can you trust that what God said he's gonna do, he's gonna do it? Is there a way that you, God is inviting you to put your trust in his promises this morning? In Romans 8, Paul tells us that the discomfort we feel in this life is more like labor pains because we know the end of the story. Everything will be all right. So a couple of invitations. Some of you this morning, when I talk about experiencing rest, being at peace in the middle of 
whatever hardship is going on. Some of you don't know what that feels like. When you think about the desolation of your life, it just feels hopeless. And in a, in a way, there's a way that that makes sense, except for Jesus. And so this morning, if you don't know what it feels like to welcome Jesus into your life, to pick him up, to embrace him and allow him to embrace you back, I want you to know there's an invitation for you this morning to say yes, to open up your arms, open up your heart, and allow Jesus to come near. And so if that's you, in a moment, we're gonna take some time to reflect. There's gonna be some folks over here who are ready to pray with you. And if you'd like to pray to begin a relationship with Jesus this morning, they'd love to help you do that. For others of you, it's that uh, kind of you've lost sight of Jesus in the middle of your desolation. And the invitation for you this morning is to pick him up again and to look at him to remember that he's with you and invite him closer. So I'm gonna pray for us. There's gonna be some reflection questions on the screen. There's folks here who will pray with you. But I wanna take a moment this morning just to remember the gift that God is with us, that God has given us a promise that no matter what is going on this morning, Simeon's song is our song. Our eyes have seen our salvation in Jesus. Our souls are at rest. Hallelujah. Jesus, we can barely comprehend the gift of your presence with us. We don't even know how good that gift is, God. Would you open our eyes even this morning to understand it more? God, I thank you that you drew near to us, to humanity. In all of our pain and all of our mess and all the desolation, you came into it. God, thank you for coming. And thank you that you are here. And so this morning, I wanna pray that you would come closer, God. Whether we know you this morning or we don't, I pray that we would experience a little bit more of you this morning, that we would invite you closer, that we would experience the consolation of your presence and the rest in knowing that God is with us, you are with us. You are coming back. You are putting the world back together and everything is going to be all right. I pray this in Jesus' name. So take a few moments to reflect. Feel free to get prayer. Jesus is with us.